Welcome, thanks for joining us. You're about to hear a message from our Wednesday night Solid Rock Youth Group service. Solid Rock is a ministry of Living Word Family Church, and if you'd like to know more, check us out on our website at www.livingwordfamily.org. How many of you when you were kids, or even, even now, your parents say, eat your vegetables? Does anybody's parents tell them, did they ever tell you to eat your vegetables? You eat them by yourself? That, good for you, very good. So nobody's parents ever said, eat your vegetables? You have terrible parents, for real? Wow. Okay, who eats vegetables on your own just because you like them? My gosh, what a bunch of freaks. That's all right, though. Hey, we tell our kids, we tell our kids, hey, before you can have a snack, you need to eat your vegetables, right? And early on, now they're used to it, but what do you think they asked us? Hey, fellas, I don't want to have to split anybody up, so I want your focus right here. What do you think they asked us? Why, right? And what do you think as parents is the logical answer that we told them? Because. Thank you, babe. Because. You need to eat your vegetables because. Now, as they get older and can understand logic and reasoning, because doesn't quite satisfy the why behind the what. The what is eat your vegetables. The why is because they have vitamins and minerals that our bodies need. Why? Because God created us to absorb vitamins and minerals to be healthy and strong. Why? To live a healthy, rigorous, strong, energetic life for God. You see how we drilled down the why? Because if you just have what and you don't have why, you're not going to do it. Or you're only going to do it because you're forced to do it. There's not going to be any desire in there. Does that make sense? There's got to be a why behind the what. Hey, I want you to go upstairs and I want you to do your homework. I want you to study for that test. Now, if you're being told that, it's probably most likely a reminder Hey, don't forget to do your homework, finish your homework, study for that test. The why is implied. But what's the why? So that you can be successful at school, so that you can get good grades. Why? Can anybody tell me why? Hunter. Okay, so you can progress in your education, maybe go to college, go to a trade school, something of that nature. Why? Hunter, why? Shh. Huh? Now, now listen, now listen, now this, no, Hunter, you make a good point, buddy. You say, I want to get good grades. Why? Because I want to go to college. But if the why stops there, college isn't going to go anywhere. Do you see where we're coming from? Rainy, why? Okay, so we can excel. At, at, no, listen, no, that's good, that's good. I want you guys to think through this, because as we go through this tonight, this is going to come up. The why? Because I want to be smarter Maybe in a, especially in college, you're talking about being smarter and more talented and more skilled in a particular field of study, a particular occupation. Why? So you can get a good job. Now, why? Okay. Why? Why do you need to make good money? Why? Okay, so you don't live on the street. All right, that's a, that's a, we're, we're personalizing the why here, okay? That's a good reason. I don't want to live on the street, so I'm going to work hard, learn something, make myself valuable and useful as an employer, 
an employee, whatever the case is, and I'm gonna make something of myself because I want to own a home, support my family, I don't wanna live on the street. That's a good, no, that's, Randy, that's a good why. Hunter, can you go any deeper with that why? So you can share the gospel. It's easier to share the gospel when your needs are provided for. That's a very good point. Not 100% required, but a very good point. Zoe? Okay, there you go. To be able to have extra to give, that's a good one. An example that I heard, which is one of the reasons I brought this up and asked you guys, there was a, a gentleman, his job is to, um, to go to companies and help them like he puts together meetings and seminars to help their salespeople sell more. It's kind of like one of those kind of rah-rah, let's go get them kind of meetings, right? So when they call him, when somebody calls him and said, hey, we'd like you to come in and host a seminar for our salespeople because we need to what? Have more sales because, and then the, this, this particular person will say, why? To make, we, we, we have a profit margin we need to hit. Why? We need to make more money. Why? Well, I want to earn more money. He's, he's getting personal with the person that he's on the phone with that's, that's wanting him to come in. So the guy's like, well, I want our profit margins to do better because I want to make more money. And this gentleman says, why? And the guy says, well, I, I want to be able to pay off my debt. I've got some debt. I'd like to earn more money, sell more, I, you know, sell more of our, our product so that I can earn more money so I can pay off that debt. Why? Because there's a vacation home, a small vacation home my wife and I have been looking at and we'd like to purchase that and we can't pay off that debt. It all of a sudden becomes personal. It's not just an arbitrary thing, pay off some debt, it's personal. There's something my wife and I would like to purchase. Why? Because we'd like our family to spend time with us. He had grown children. We'd like our family to spend time with us in this vacation home so that we can have more time with them and build more memories. Not only did it get very personal when you drill down the why but it gives you purpose for the what. So all of a sudden, we're not just boosting sales because we want to boost sales. No, what are we doing? We're boosting sales because I want to earn enough money to spend more time with my family in a small vacation home. It becomes deeply personal. If we don't figure out the why behind the what, if we don't personalize the why behind the what, the what loses all intrinsic value. If I say, all right, everybody, stand up with me tonight. We're going to worship together. I just told you what. We are going to worship together. If you don't know why, if the why is not personal, the what has no value. Let me give you one more example, and then we're going to get into some scripture. Who has heard of a gentleman by the name of Langley? Does that name sound familiar to anybody? Aiden? You know who it is? You just heard the name? Okay. You might have heard the name because it's a popular name on many buildings in Washington, D.C. Langley is the name of the CIA building, and there's a few other buildings that are named after him or have his name inscribed on there. Langley, let me get his name right here, uh, Samuel Langley, he was given a grant. Now, this is in the early 1900s. I'm going to set this up for you. He was given a $50,000 grant by the United States government, which back in the 1900s was several million dollars. 
when we're comparing value of currency, okay, value of the money. Okay, back uh, over 100 years ago, $50,000 was a whole lot of money. Do you know why he was given that money? A grant by the government to do something specific. Does anybody know? He was tasked by the government, him and his team, to design the first manned aircraft that could fly with a person over a certain distance. He was given $50,000. This man was educated. His entire team was educated. He had written books on aerodynamics. He had backers in the government. He was very well publicized. A lot of people knew about this task he was given. He had everything going for him. Not too far away, there were two brothers working on the same project. Can anybody tell me their names? Johnny? The Wright brothers, Will, Wilbur and Orville Wright. Now, do you, know why that you've do you know why you have never heard the name Langley when attached to flight, manned flight? Johnny? Because the Wright brothers are the ones that made it happen. Do you know how much money they were given by the government? Hunter, zero dollars. Not only that, they only spent $1,000 of their own money. So tell me why a team that is vastly more educated than the Wright brothers who had never been to further education, who were not college men, somebody with vastly more money, 50 times the amount of money to be specific, and not the same amount of publication, knowledge, the team behind them or anything, why did they get it first? Hunter. No, I, they may have been. I really don't know that, to be honest with you. This isn't like a hidden, because they're, because they're Jesus, that's why. Because they knew the why. For the Wright brothers, the why was key. Because there was a challenge, a personal challenge. These two brothers had been given a toy it was called a toy helicopter, but it didn't look like the helicopters of our day today. It was probably more like a... Has anybody ever seen that really crazy-looking... Um, oh, what is that? Ah, oh, who's that, who's that uh, artist and, and, and scientist from the Renaissance? Da Vinci, thank you. Why was that name escaping me? Has anybody ever seen Da Vinci's? It was like, it's like a swirl thing where it kind of like whatever. So it was probably something kind of like that. Their dad had given it to him, and it worked off of rubber bands, and it was very rudimentary, but it, they were just enthralled by this. From the time they were children, they were passionate about figuring this out. Langley didn't have that. Langley didn't have the why. All Langley had was the what. Flight. The government just gave me a boatload of money to figure this out. What? That's all he had. The why to him was non-existent, superficial. So the Wright brothers, not only did they have a passion for it, not only had they been thinking about it and mulling it over in their heads for their entire lives, but they had spent the years prior to Kitty Hawk, that was the name of the place where they launched the first flight, they had spent years prior to that designing, drawing up, developing, testing little models, doing all of this stuff, preparing because they knew the why. This was a personal challenge. This was adventure for them. They knew what this meant. If this could happen, if there could be a, a device, uh, something that, that, could, that could carry a man in a vast distance through the air, what could that mean 
What could that mean? Traveling supplies in places that you couldn't get to by a vehicle, over water, over all this stuff, making the amount of travel so much shorter, the, the time to travel so much shorter. They would literally be making history. The why for them was intense. And that is why with so much less funding, so much less education, they were able to get it first. Because the why was personal. And we're going to go to 1 Kings. I didn't give Aiden the scriptures because I'm just going to basically be skimming through some, some passages here. But I want you to be taking notes, um, if for nothing else, mental notes. Let's get in the habit here. I'm just going to go throw this gauntlet out there. Let's get in the habit of bringing something to write on. Uh, bringing, bringing your Bibles would be fantastic, even if it's just your phone. But bringing some pen, paper to write on, to even, even if you're scratching out just a couple verses and maybe a couple points that I make, I think it will help you to get this stuff in your head much better than just kind of sitting and listening, okay? Because I'm a note taker, so when I'm sitting and listening, even if it's something super good, I usually find myself scribbling out some notes or I don't remember it. So I'm going to encourage you guys to bring something to write notes on uh, from here on out because I think it'll be, it'll be a huge, huge help as we, uh, as we move forward in our growth in our relationship with Christ. Okay, so I'm going to give you a rundown here. Does, everybody, does anybody know who Elijah is? Or was? Who was is, who is Elijah? Keely? He's that one dude. Exactly, he was that one dude. Keely, do you remember who Elijah was? You can give me just a general answer. He was a prophet. Thank you, Riley, even though you didn't raise your hand. Sorry, Keely. He was a prophet. That's exactly right. He was a prophet. <clears throat> now, let me tell you what Elijah did. Elijah heard from God, did some pretty amazing things. So one of the main things that Elijah, one of those big, big, flashy miracles that he's known for is uh, embarrassing the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. So Elijah, 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 what he has done, basically he is, he is one of the only prophets left in Israel at this point. They're a very heathen nation at this point. The king has turned, actually the king's wife has turned the king away from worshiping the one true God. Her name was Jezebel. You guys remember Jezebel? She turned the king away from worshiping God, and as such, the nation was turned away. So practically the whole nation, with a very few exceptions, were worshiping a false god named Baal. Or Baal, B-A-A-L, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I always, I've always pronounced it Baal. So they are Baal worshipers, okay? So Elijah challenges these prophets of Baal and says, Now listen, here's what we're going to do. At such and such a day, I want, we're going to bring two uh, offerings, we're going to bring two sacrifices, we're going to bring two cows up here. I'm going to let you pick. There were like 250 priests of Baal. I'm going to let you pick. You pick which one you want to offer to your God, and I'll take the other one, and I'll make a sacrifice to my God. We will both ask our gods to call down fire to burn up this offering. Whichever God brings that fire is the one true God. So this is the challenge. The gauntlet has been thrown. Remember, God has done some amazing, this is just one of them, but God has done some amazing things through Elijah. God has provided for him. God has, has been with him. Elijah knows the why. The what is the various things God has asked him to do, the various things that he is trying to teach Israel about who God is. But Elijah knows the why. Why? Because God is the one true God, because he loves us, because he wants, to, uh, he wants us to, be, to belong to him. He wants our focus to be on him. Elijah knows the why. 
So they do this thing. They set up their altars. Elijah rebuilds this altar to God that had been torn down by all the heathen worship going on in Israel at the time. So he builds up this, this, this uh, altar. Uh, the, the, the priests of Baal pick out which cow that they want. They cut it up and do whatever they do for their sacrifice. Put it on that altar. Uh, Elijah takes his over. And so they spend hours and hours and hours hooting and hollering and dancing and doing all the stuff, even to the point of, like, cutting themselves. Whatever weird, crazy heathen rituals that they did, they did it. They, they, were, trying to, they were trying to get Baal, their god, to burn this sacrifice so that they could prove that Baal was the one true god. They're dancing around. They're hollering. They're screaming. They're praying. They're doing whatever they do. And I love this. If you get the chance, it's in 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 18. I'm paraphrasing here. But Elijah basically says, well, come on, where is he? Maybe he's busy. Maybe he's out to lunch. Maybe he's relieving himself and he can't hear you. Where is this God of yours? And so as Elijah is taunting them, they are getting crazier and crazier. And that's when they start cutting themselves. I mean, the, the scriptures make it sound like, like blood was everywhere. They're just cutting themselves and they're just, they're just going nuts. So finally, they've been doing this all day. It was like three or four three or four in the afternoon. They had been at this all morning, all afternoon. And Elijah finally says, all right, that's enough. Now here's what we're going to do. He, he, he sacrificed his offering. He put it on the altar. They dug a trench around his altar, the altar to God, the altar to Yahweh, the one true God. And he said, before we do anything, I want you to douse this with water. So they took like five gallons of water and doused it and doused it and doused it. This whole thing, the altar, the, the calf, the wood, everything was all soaking wet. The trench that he had dug around it was full of water. There was just, this whole thing was soaked. You couldn't light this thing if you tried. So Elijah said, and he prayed to God, Father God in heaven, burn this offering and show them who you are. So he said this prayer to God, asking God to reveal himself, to show himself, and what happens? Fire comes down from heaven, completely burns up that sacrifice, and the rocks, and the dust. I mean, it just obliterates it. This wasn't just a, a little fire burning up the calf. I mean, God straight took this entire altar, everything with it, and burned it up. And everybody stood back, and they were amazed. Even the prophets of Baal were amazed that this happened. Elijah proceeded at the leading of God, to take those prophets of Baal and kill them. Because they were, they were heathen, pro they were not prophets of Baal, priests of Baal. Because they, that's, according to scriptures, God says, if, you're, if, you're, if you are sacrificing to other gods, if you're following after other gods, you're done for. Okay? It was a, it was a punishment. It was a, it was a punishment for the crime that they had committed of worshiping other gods and leading the nation in worshiping other gods. So Elijah carries out this punishment, carries out this sentence on these priests of a false god. Now listen to this. So we see that Elijah is, man, he is, God's got his back. He is doing some big things, some amazing things. He is trying to get the nation back on course for God. The king is here. He's witnessing this. He gets back to the palace. He lets Jezebel know what's going on. And she has a fit. 
because you see Jezebel is one of the main reasons the Baal worship was introduced into the country to begin with. So when she hears that her priests, because she's not, she's not happy. She is mad. She threatens Elijah. She threatens to do everything to him that was done to these, Baal, these priests of Baal. And what happens to Elijah? What happens? Hunter, do you remember? He runs. He forgets the why. He forgets the why behind everything that he had been doing for God. He hears this threat. For some reason, there's a, there's a seed of doubt, like, okay, I'm done for. She's coming after me. I'm done for. And he runs, and he pleads to God, God, I have done everything you've asked me to do, and I'm done for. I am the last prophet in all of Israel, and I'm done for. She's coming after me. She's going to kill me. What does God tell him? God has to remind him of the why. Why you are doing what I've called you to do. Because I am with you. Because I love you. Elijah flees. This is in chapter 19 of 1 Kings. <clears throat> Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone to the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. He's actually asking God to just take his life. He was so afraid of Jezebel and so afraid of this, the, the, the punishment she was going to dish out on him for what he did that he actually asked God to take his life. Now listen to this, though. Now listen. God provided in that solitary place by himself, God provided him food, provided him water. Uh, God took care of him. So then the angel of the Lord said, please, eat, drink. The journey ahead of you is going to be long. So he got up, he ate, he drank. He came to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. Now, here's, now listen to this. It's in verse 9. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah, excuse me, Elijah replied, I have zealously served you, Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They have torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And God tells him, go out and stand before me on the mountain. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. First, with a windstorm. A powerful windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in that earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. The sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. God had to remind Elijah, why? Why are you doing this? Because I am God. Because I am powerful. I've got your back. And he proceeds to tell him, even though Elijah is still wrestling with some doubt, still some uncertainty there, God reminds him of the why. And God says, there are over 7,000 prophets, 7,000 people in this nation that have never bowed their knee to Baal. They still belong to me. Elijah, you're not the only one. God had to remind him of the why. What do you believe? 
it is so easy for us to give that canned answer when there's no why behind it. I bet most all of you in here tonight, if I were to ask you one-on-one, what do you believe? You could all probably give me a pretty satisfactory canned answer. But then if I asked you why, might be a little harder, wouldn't it? Why do you believe what you believe? Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Have you made God the Lord of your life? Have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Have you given him control over your life? If so, why? Why did you make that decision? Why do you continue to believe in that and walk in that? I'm going to ask you this. If you've had doubts, if there's some things that have maybe come up in your life and you're like, you know what? I have been raised all my life to believe this. You have the what, but do you know why? Do you know why we trust in the Word of God? Do you know why we hold this Word as infallible? The Word of God is infallible, which means there's no error in it. It cannot be proven wrong. And trust me when I say that for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, people have tried, endlessly tried, to prove the Word of God wrong, to show some type of falsehood, some type of incorrect passage, something that shows that the Word of God cannot be trusted. And did you know that it has never been done? There are people that say, oh, this passage contradicts this passage and so that, but it's never, it's never been successfully contradicting. They've all just, these are all just things that people say to try to, try to make it so where they can say, well, this isn't true, so I don't have to believe in it. Why? The why is so crucial, so important, because if you go through your entire life just operating on the what, oh, I'm a Christian, I've been, I was born and I've lived in a Christian home, I've grown up in a Christian home, I've gone to church, and so I'm a, I'm a Christian. That's the what. If there is no why beneath that, then your Christian is nothing. Then being a Christian for you is nothing. Because if there's no why behind the what, if there is nothing that attaches meaning to that, if there is nothing that makes that personal for you, if that was not a personal decision that you have made to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if their why is not there, it has no value. If you have a summer job, all summer long you are working hard. Because at the end of the summer, you know you are saving up to get a car. Right, Dylan? Or do you already have one? You already have saved up? You already got one? Not yet? Now, if you are saving up to, to 
get something, if there is a reason, if there is a why behind what you're doing, you are going to work harder. You are going to be more passionate about that work. You are going to be more diligent with that work than if there was nothing tied to it. Does that make sense? Yeah? Almost without fail, from my recollection, if I remember college was when I was at Parkland, it was a number of few years ago. Two or three weeks into the semester, when the semester first started at, uh, at Parkland, I mean, it was nuts. The parking lot was crazy packed. Classrooms were packed. The hallways were packed. Everything was nuts, right, for the first two or three weeks. And then almost like clockwork, and I noticed this early on, this almost like clockwork every single semester, that after just a number of maybe three, maybe four weeks into the semester, the class attendance dropped. The parking lot all of a sudden wasn't very full anymore because people kind of, they, they kind of phoned it in. They, they showed up to only some classes. They ditched a lot of classes. They didn't care. A lot of the people that did that did not pay for their own tuition. I paid my tuition. Now granted, it was Parkland. I mean, we're not talking hundreds of thousands of dollars or anything like that, but I paid my own tuition. I had to work for it. Sometimes I had to go into the office and say, hey, uh, I can't pay all this up front. Do you have like a payment plan that I can work out? You know, maybe a few grand. But at the time for me, working part-time at I don't know where, that was a lot of money for me. I'm paying it myself. I am going to be at every class. Because if I'm not, I'm wasting my money. And for a lot of these kids, they were wasting mommy and daddy's money. They were wasting some grant or something like that. And they were going to class just enough to stay on the books, to stay on the rolls so that they could say they were enrolled in full-time classes. So the why for me, because I was paying for my education, so I was there. The why for me to do well, because I was headed towards a goal. I knew where I wanted to go with my education at the time, and we've talked about that, how that changed. But at the time, I knew what I wanted to do. I was going to transfer to a four-year school. I was going to transfer to a different school. I had to have good grades to do that. That's the why for me. I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior because I have seen Him do amazing things in my life. That's the why for me. Because I have amazing people around me when I first started coming to church people that I trusted, people that I loved, who were telling me about what God had done in their lives and were showing me the scriptures and were teaching me and walking me through this and what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ until one day I said, I've got to have that. That's the why for me. It's because I have seen God walk me and my family through challenges and through things. I have seen God walk people through things. I have seen people healed. I have seen people set free from addictions. I have seen people and heard testimonies. That is the why for me. Because I believe this. I believe what God has done for me. I believe the very core of my being that not only is God real, but He loves me on a gut-wrenching personal level. That is the why for me. What is your why? Because if you don't have a why, there is no value behind the what.
If there's no why, then you're just going through the motions. If you don't know why you believe what you believe, there's an evaluation that needs to take place. Stand up with me. We are about to enter into worship together. Why? Why? Why do we go through this motion every single week when we come to church together? Why do we worship? Justin, why? Why? Now, I'm willing to give you the benefit of the doubt. And then maybe you're working through some things, you're trying to figure some things out, you're trying to figure out the why. And I applaud you in that, and I hope that's what you're trying to do. If there's not a why attached to what we're doing here tonight for you, maybe your why is, because I want to come and hang out with friends. And you know what? I'm all right with that. Yeah? I'm okay with that because I'd rather you be here hanging out with friends. If that's your why, if that's your why that you are in this room tonight because you want to come and hang out with friends, I'm okay with that. My prayer is that God along that way would smack you upside the head and give you a better why. My prayer is that it will happen to you what happened to me. When I first came to youth group, that is the reason I was there. It's because my girlfriend brought me. It's because my youth pastor was a pretty cool guy. And I looked up to him almost from day one because he just was awesome. I didn't have a deeper why right away. God is going to do some things in your life if you will open yourself up and let him. I want you, everybody in this room, to know why. To know why the God of the universe loves you on such an individual and personal level. To know why the God of the universe would send his own son to pay the price for you. A price that you could never even dream of paying on your own. When you get a hold of that why, it literally changes everything about you. from the deepest layer and level of who you are changes when you understand the why of how much God loves you and what he did for you, what he sacrificed for you. So my prayer for you tonight is that God would give you the why. There may be trials, there may be troubles, there may be things that you go through, but all of it, all of it becomes easier when you serve the one true God and know why. We worship together on Wednesday nights because God loves us and we are 
We are proclaiming our love in return because he first loved us. We are proclaiming our love for him together as a family, as a body of believers, as Christians. Because what else can we do when we know why he did what he did? What else can we do when we know why He wants to be a part of our lives. What else can we do besides worship him, besides love him, besides honor him with our lives? So I want you to worship tonight. And if you, if, if, if that's you tonight and you don't know why, and you're figuring things out and you're trying to, you've got questions and you are, there's some things that you're struggling with, I want you to ask God, to help you figure that out. Ask God to help you with the why. And if you need to ask me or ask one of the other leaders or talk some things out, that's why we are here. That's why we are here. To maybe help you figure out the why. Play games, pool, ping pong, hang out, enjoy the snack bar. But the ultimate reason that we are here together is to grow together, to worship together, and even figure out the why together. Let's worship.